0: Welcome to the Media Ministry of Crossroads Church Aspen. To learn more about Crossroads, visit our website at ccaspen.com. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor Steve Woodrow. If you've been with us, we are... I saw a little clicker somewhere, there it is. You um, know that we have uh, started a series. Well, that's what we're going to be talking about at 11. Um, Let's see. Are we moving? We need... uh, well, we don't want that. Um, that's what we'll get to watch at 11. So uh, anyway, we'll have the slides pop up there in a minute. But you know, we've been in, uh, we started a series a couple weeks ago. In, um, 1, 2, and 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, these are the epistles of John. And um, John, this is the Apostle John. He wrote the Gospel of John. Uh, and so we are working our way through 1st John. If you have your Bibles, um, Please find your way to chapter one. We're going to look at only three verses this morning—verse eight, nine, and ten—and we're going to drill into. John has a way of just packing a whole bunch of truth into a little uh, territory in his verses, and we're going to uh, talk about this issue this morning. We're going to wrestle with this issue—the solution to dishonest spirituality. Last week we rolled out this idea of what is dishonest spirituality. And we really talked about getting below the surface and really examining our our lives and our faith and what do we really believe and and what is really going on. And uh, so we're going to really drill into that and talk about the gospel, how it is the solution, the ultimate solution um, this morning. So let me just pray for us and we're going to jump right into the word of God. Father, thank you for this morning. Lord, I thank you for everybody who's here, who's watching online Um, Father, I just pray that uh, as we move through your word, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, Lord, that you will increase our love for you and our love for one another. Lord, your word says that we, we can't say we love you if we don't love each other. And Lord, I pray you'll restore that New Testament glorious, powerful love among your people, God, in a powerful way as your gospel becomes large in our hearts. And Holy Spirit, we invite you into this time as we open your word. Lord, we know that you're active and you're moving. You know exactly where each of our hearts are at. You know what we're thinking. Lord, you know what we're wrestling with. And Lord, your word, Jesus, you said that your sheep, they hear your voice and that you know them and that they follow you. And Father, I pray this morning, Lord, that um, you will speak profoundly, Lord, that everyone in here... Lord would know that you've spoken to them, that they've met you, God, maybe for the first time. Um, Lord, we need to hear your voice. Holy Spirit, calm now. Convict us, encourage us, transform us, God, by your power in the name of Jesus. Amen. First John chapter one, verses eight through ten. And this is up on the screen as well. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful, he's just to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. The word of God. All right, I... uh, give you the little kind of where we're headed this morning. Those of you who uh, have been a part of Crossroads know that... um uh, that we believe that church should be like what it says in the Bible, in the book of Acts. It's not just a place of coming for entertainment. It's not ever to be a consumer place. It's not a place to come and just sit and, uh, and, and kind of uh, hear and listen and then bolt out. It is a community. It is a fellowship of believers and that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord is, uh, is to be a part. You have gifts, you have something to give and, and we have uh, two mics here at the end by the the communion table and um, we often open these up for you uh, to bring encouragement to us and we see in the book of Acts we see in first Corinthians the church is to be alive with the testimony of God in other words there should be this vibrant excitement to share what Jesus has done for you for me Uh, how he is actively moving right is we get dull we get stale right if we do not hear the voice of God if we do not have testimony of his working in our life even if we're struggling right is that we're to be honest with that right and uh, so here at the end we're just before we come to the table uh, this morning we're just going to have time um, to open it up to anyone who feels led to come into courage give testimony to what Jesus has done in your life something short obviously but the whole point of that is to bring encouragement to us I mean God's working right he's working and, um, and it shouldn't just be limited to small group, right? And uh, micro as such, though we have more time in that environment for that, but we have to model it when we're all um, together. So with that said, let me uh, jump into our topic this morning. Um, what is dishonest spirituality? And so I just want to lay out some things to get us thinking um, as we apply the verses we just read and and have the Spirit of God and the Word of God converge together to bring transformation right in our life. This means we got to get real honest uh, before God. And why not? Because uh, God knows exactly what you've thought, what I've thought. He knows exactly what we've done. He knows the thoughts and intentions of our hearts. So why would I try to hold Him at bay? Right is why not lord come let 's uh, let's do business right let 's have full transformation, I want that abundant life right that you that you promise, so what is this on spirituality first of all john 's writing to a church that is under fire uh, he, had a, he was shepherding a whole group of churches in modern day Turkey was Asia minor. And, uh, and they were getting uh, attacked from the outside, from false pagan things. And on the inside, it had crept inside the church. And it was just false teaching, which we'll address here in just a minute. And obviously, uh, dishonest spirituality is uh, just full-on uh, um, uh, false teaching. Something that contradicts the Word of God. But we want to go deeper, right? And, and look a little on a, a deeper level of what that looks like. So I just going to throw some things up here for us to think about. What about this one? Talking about knowing God, but not spending time with God or His Word. That is dishonest spirituality. If I say I know Him, if I say I'm walking with Him, if I say I'm a believer, but I don't spend time with Him, right? In other words, that would be dishonest, wouldn't it, for me to say, man, yeah, I'm really good friends. Man, that's my best friend. And I never talk to them or spend time with them or know what's going on in their life. Again, now now I don't put these up here to condemn us because the reality is every one of us, myself included, can see this. But I want to just reveal in our lives, right? uh, Because until we get honest with where we're really at in the faith, where we're really struggling with what God is really doing, you know what? We don't give room for the Spirit of God to come in and transform. It begins with confession and conviction. Then the Spirit comes in and does His work, right? Next one, forcing testimony rather than being honest with the lack of testimony. Have you ever felt just kind of forced? Even right this morning, we're gonna open the mics. There's no forced thing here. We need to be honest. And, and I don't know about you, but I, I go to stages where I'm like, Lord, what's going on? I don't have a testimony. When was the last time I heard your voice? When was the last time I, I, I saw you move in my life in response to my prayers or had an opportunity to minister with you or I saw the reality of you in my life? Folks, we're to wrestle with that stuff. And honestly, I believe this is the problem in the church. This is what brings stagnation, is when that we just fall back and we just get used to that, and rather than having that be a wake-up call, right, for us to pursue God greater. Another one, saying we are praying for someone, but don't really end up praying for them. Anybody ever been guilty of that? Oh man, brother, I hate to hear that. I'll pray for you. And then, oops, we send a text. Man, so sorry to hear that. I'll be praying for you. Do we? We have to take that serious. We don't just throw around Christian language, right, to make ourselves feel good. If you're going to say, if I say I'm going to pray for you, and I'm guilty of this, right? Sometimes it's just, man, it goes off the mind. But if I say, I need to think about that. Lord, if I'm going to say I'm going to pray, I need to make a note. I need to pray. And what I would encourage us to do is that if I say I'm going to pray for someone, the best thing to do is stop right then, pray for them. If you're out, no matter where you're at, uh, if you're on the phone, if, even if you're texting, stop and pray right then. Does this make sense, gang? Right? Do you see how if I, get into the, if I get into the routine of just, I'll pray for you. And this is so because the reality is every one of us knows a situation in the life of the, of the church. Because I've talked to some of you about this, asking about these issues, right? And uh, you, you, we have people say, oh yeah, I'll pray for you. And, and next time you see them, they never ask you, hey never say hey man how's that going it just flies over our head that's dishonest spirituality right and we all know what that feels like when someone just has spiritual language but there's really no heart that there's no right reality to that right how about this one? Oh, this is so big today saying that we're okay if we're not hey how you doing oh man i'm good life's great man living the dream oh come on don't give me that crap we're all guilty right I mean think about our culture it's built into us we just have these kind of American you know hey man how you doing and our response is all good man or whatever it is right that's kind of dishonest spirituality right there's no I mean we need to be honest man you know I'm not doing too well I mean these things are yeah right all right here's here's a biggie (laughs) Stating what we believe about something because we read it in a Christian book or heard it on a podcast or a sermon rather than praying and wrestling with the Word of God and hearing the Spirit lead us. Now folks, this is big, deep water. And I've said it, we've said this is part of our culture here is you don't believe anything because the pastor said so. You don't believe anything because Steve says so or the elders say so. You need to take what we say and you need to go to the Word of God and you need to wrestle with it and and have God bring conviction into your life that, man, that is true. I'm convicted by that. But folks, the problem today in the media realm, right, and this impacts other things, doesn't it, is that we so quickly hear a, a podcaster or somebody that we like out there say something, yeah, that's right, and we just go off and say, did you hear this is what, and we start stating what we believe, But we haven't wrestled with the real reality of that deeply in our heart. Does this make sense? And folks, the younger generation has not been taught how to think through issues. They're just going to fly by what comes across the media tapes and it affects all of us. We need to learn again how to listen, take that into our time with God, in his word, God, you speak to me. Lord, your promise and James says, God says this to us. If you need wisdom, come to me. I will give it to you. You know that's a promise? How many are taking that promise? I mean, through all the last few years, how much lack of wisdom has there been in, in what we've said, how we've done, rather than taking the time, Lord, I need to think about this before I say anything. And boy, I'm speaking to myself here this morning on that one. How about this one? Ministering to someone and not following up with them. Man, if there has been hurt in the church, it's when someone uh, comes and we pray for someone, we minister to them, and we never follow up. It's just like through the assembly line. And this this is, the larger church gets, the tougher this gets. But let's bring this down personally in our life. Again, if we pray, if we minister to someone, always follow up, right? Shows you care. These are all just indications, checks on our side. I mean, we could go on and on, right, on on these things. Instead of pursuing the promises of God, changing our theology to account for the lack of experience. Man, this is huge. Instead of believing and wrestling with the promises of God, let's just take the whole book of Acts. (laughs) Right, rather than taking that like, wow, Lord, why is my experience not like that? The promise of God is that. That's what churches look like. And what we do over time is we say, well, I just haven't seen God do that. I just haven't seen him answer prayer like that. I haven't seen those kind of miracles. I haven't seen him heal like that. I haven't seen these things. And what happens is we over a period of time, we just settle into a place of passivity. And we actually will change or move into a theology that talks a very weak faith. Well, God's will be done. Now, I'm going after something here because we have to. You will not find anywhere in scripture, in the ministry environment, this idea of just, oh, just kind of, Lord, whatever you're going to do, you know, if I want a spiritual gift, you're just going to hand it out, Lord. If you have it for me, you'll give it to me. That is a lack of faith. It is not taking God at his promise and his command. It says, earnestly pursue the gifts of God, right? And we could go on and on with all the passages and promises. It's dishonest for me right to wrestle and seek why am I not experiencing that promise God for me just to set back okay well he just doesn't work like that today he just doesn't do that today that's dishonest and it will lead me to wrong thinking about the word of God that will actually change the lens of how I read God and it will actually lower my expectation and lower my faith does this make sense right um I think that's all I got no couple more Saying Jesus is Lord, if we don't regularly give sacrificially to honor Him for His provision. Ouch! Ouch! It's a tough one. Not one of us in here can't wrestle with that one. Yeah, Jesus, my, I'm a believer. I believe in God. I believe in Jesus is Lord, he saved my life. But does that lordship impact my pocketbook, man? Wow we all will stand before him. He knows exactly what's going on. Is it dishonest for me to, to be, Sam I'm a believer? If I'm not, and I use that word very clearly because it's the biblical word, sacrificial. Is he the Lord of my pocketbook? My resources? And only, here's the deal, I could throw on you, we could throw on each other all kinds of rules and condemnation, and, and boy, if you do this or you do that, but the really bottom line is I, I got to stand before the Lord. Is he the Lord of my life? And do I give him praise for his radical provision in my life? What's the proof of that, right? Ooh. Thinking that just being a Christian many years is the same as spiritual maturity. Just because I've been in church my whole life, or just because I've been in Bible study after Bible study, just because I'm 60 years old, and, and I, I, you know, does not mean there's spiritual maturity. Whoa. Wow. Just because you've been to seminary, it does not mean that you're spiritual mature. Ouch. I think we sadly have a lot of public spiritual leaders, right? that... Um, recently that proved that, right? Oof. And the last one, thinking that we can um, love Jesus and not love his church. It's probably one of the biggest lies that's out there today. Oh, I love Jesus, but I'm just kind of tired of organized religion. Yeah. So is he the Lord of your life? Or are you just doing what you want to with your life? All The, the number one thing I hear on the gondola is, this is my church out here skiing the powder day. You have no clue who Jesus is. You have no clue who he is. He's the creator, the one who breathed with his words everything that you're looking at. He's the one that knit you in the womb of your, of your mother. He's the one that all every knee will bow. Best we do it now. He's the savior of the world that gave his life on the cross that we could be, have abundant eternal life. He's the king of kings, he's the Lord of lords, and his kingdom is coming again to make all things new again and right, right? So folks, that's just a few things, um, and, and those are all, I just sat down and I said, Lord, show me where I'm dishonest in, in my spirituality, and he was like, all of a sudden, he's like, okay, slow down, I, I get it, you know, it was like, he's like, okay, that's enough, um, enough conviction for that time, right? All right, what's the solution, gang? Does this make sense, though? We do not do enough of this. We do not do enough of getting down below the surface to really wrestle with, okay, where's my soul? What's really going on? Because guess what? It's, it's exposing. It's revealing. It's tough. And it requires I go one way or the other. I either harden my heart or, man, I open up to the conviction of the Spirit of God and transformation begins. Okay? So here's a couple things, just in our couple verses, got two things. Dishonest spirituality is the denial of my sinful nature. And this is what John was speaking against, verse 8. He says, we, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. He's speaking to a certain false teaching that was going on back then, it's around today, that basically says, guess what, mankind is good. The Bible doesn't say that anywhere from Genesis to the end. No, it says we're born into this world, sinners, separated from God, with an incredibly dark capacity to sin and do evil. And every bit of evil that is in the world and has been in the world, the Bible says, is a result of two things. My flesh, worldly flesh, our rejection of God, and the spiritual dark, Satan, and all that together, right? The world says just the opposite no you 're good, mankind can solve our problems. we can do this. we can figure this out and, and so this lie that crept in is that there, we don 't have any we 're born good we 're we're, we're good, we have the capacity for good there is no there is no inner struggle there isn 't this thing we 're born in to this world with with this capacity, this natural tendency to reject and rebel against God and to be selfish right. And, uh, I, 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 and if there's anything that proves the truth of the Bible, it's history. It's history, right? That the history of the world is proves mankind is sinful. We have not the ability to solve our hate and our evil. And it's built in, and if we're really honest with ourselves, right, we come to know that what this thing, Paul talks about it in depth in the book of Romans, this wrestle with this, this sin nature, this flesh, this thing. Man, how do I get victory over this, this, these desires? And we'll get to chapter 2, Johnny describes it as the lusts of the, desires of the eyes, the lusts of the flesh, and the pride of life. That's it, isn't it? Who can deny those things? Well, guess what? Our whole, now we'll go back in history, but we are reaping the results. Let me just lay this out as clear as I can. Our culture, what's going on in our culture right now, uh, we are reaping the results of this lie. Right? We are reaping the results. He says, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Um, So, two things. That's a deep thing. The deception of my being. Confusion about who I am. Do we have a problem with that today? Absolutely, at the very core of this. If we reject the truth of, I got something I got to wrestle with. I need a savior. I need cleansing. I need forgiveness. It says the truth is not in us. So we'll have utter confusion about, we'll be deceived about who we are. We open our soul and our life to all kinds of attacks and, and, and trauma in the sense of, of really not resting in who we really are. And the truth will not reside in us. Our hearts become hard to the truth. And let's just go cultural. What happens? Well, you get radical confusion. When people are confused about who they are, guess what? Emotional stability falls apart. And we're, in the, we're, we're, we're just now in the beginnings, folks, of that. Right? The other thing that happens is truth becomes what? The truth is not in us. So what happens to a culture? We start saying truth is relative. There is no truth. We're like Pilate who stood before Jesus and said to Jesus, what is truth? That's the world. And that's the world we live in. That's the culture we live in. Folks, this thing speaks so clearly, so consistently. It is obvious, undeniable the consequences that are being reaped in our culture. It's not going anywhere good. Not anywhere good when it comes to stability of people's souls, stability of family, stability. Go down the list of things. Right? And this is what John is saying. Wake up, church. Because this had crept into the church. Right? Um, this, this false teaching. And so that's uh, one aspect of spiritual, uh, dishonest spirituality is this, man, if, if I deny that I am a sinner, using that language. Or that I have a sinful nature. Or that I have something, man, that, that has the, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the, the pride of life. If I deny those things in my life, the truth is not in me. The word of God will bounce off. And my heart will harden. And I am captive to the world around me. I am captive to the world around me. Right? And I'll miss out on the promises of God. The second thing that John speaks about here is just dishonest spirituality. Is the denial of sinful actions. It's the denial that I, I actually sinned. That, that what I did or what I thought was, was sinful. And that it needed confession. That it needed to be healed and, and made better. And he says here uh, that if... This is verse 10. We'll come back to 9. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Wow, that's pretty strong. If I deny that I have sinned, in other words, in my life, if I continue to do something right, if I continue to sin, remember, we'll jump down to chapter 2. John says, my little children. Remember, he's 90 years old. He's, a, he's the father. He's the living, longest living apostle. and the, With all the love that he has of God and his children, he says, my children, I'm writing these things to you that you may not sin. That you may receive the power of the gospel, transformation, abundant life. You may be set free. Right? So if I deny this sin, if I don't regularly work at denying this sin, having the Spirit of God re- convict me, right? I'm not going to experience the promise of this transformation, this freedom right? that God and His, His gospel promises to me. And it goes on to say, so we make Him a liar. We make Jesus a liar. Wow! So if I hold on to sin and, and unconfessed sin, then, um, man, I make Him a liar. Now, um, recently and tragically, what happens when somebody who is a known, and remember, it's not just known, famous pastors or spiritual leaders who who tumble. It, it's people in small churches. It's, it's across the board. But what happens? What happens out there? It, it, it puts a blot on the glory of Jesus and his church. It makes Jesus a liar. Because the rest of the world watches it and goes, wow, if that spiritual leader, he look at that. Well, I, pfft. I don't want anything to do with Jesus. That gospel must not be pretty, very powerful. Right? It brings a disgrace upon the church. Now, how does this impact how we love each other? If I deny my sin, how's that going to impact you? It's going to have some immediate powerful and vice versa. How about in a marriage? If a husband denies his sin, if a wife denies her sin, and they're not willing to come before God and confess and, and get free from that, how's that going to impact that loving relationship? Right? It's going to break it apart. It's going to break it apart. And so there's an answer, folks. And this is where I want to just camp out um, on us. The solution, folks, is the gospel. It's conviction and confession. Now, I want you to hone in, right, on this last little statement. Conviction without confession is condemnation. One of the things that we have to flesh out when this dishonest spirituality thing is is when somebody says, oh, that fe- I feel condemned. I was at church and I felt condemned. No, no, no. You, you are just unwilling to confess before God and receive His transformation. Condemnation, because Romans 1, Romans 8, 1 says that there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. So for me to live under the gospel, it means there's freedom. I'm not going to live any condemnation. It means I've got to bring right, uh, my confession to the Lord and get free. Now, now and, and again, this is one of the most powerful promises in the world. This is so simple, but so radically profound, right? And so there's this confusion. And this, is, this gets really confusion. About, am I feeling con- condemnation or am I feeling conviction? And this just fleshes out, is my heart willing to listen to the Spirit of God? And am I willing to be convicted by the Spirit of God and then move towards, right, confession? Which means I moved to my Lord and I laid at the cross. I have a very personal interaction with Jesus because of his death, burial, and resurrection. And I believe what this verse says in verse 9. If we confess our sins, listen to this. Jesus is faithful. The Father is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Wow. There's two things there. Noel, let's start with God. It says He's faithful and He's just. And this is what happened at the cross is the cross just proves that God is, is just because he thrust every bit of punishment for all the sins of the world we're going to get to in chapter 2 on Jesus so that because for him to be just there had to be punishment. Just like in our justice system there's not justice unless there's a penalty for paid for the, the wrong done. And in the larger scheme uh, of God's character his holiness and perfection and for him to be right and he thrust that. That should have been thrust on me. Should have been thrust on you. thrust on Jesus. But that, that is just. But also faithful. In other words God is faithful to his promises. This is a, a true from the very beginning. We've talked about Genesis uh, this summer. And that God his promises are true. He has a plan of redemption for the world. He's faithful to his covenant. He's faithful and true to his promises. It requires faith on our part to receive it. Yes Lord I believe it. So I want to just take this verse, folks, and, and look the simplicity but profound nature. And, and here's the solution to dishonest spirituality. It is conviction and confession. If I'm just convicted and I sit back and I don't do the work, the honest work of, of surrender, right? Of repentance, of coming before the Lord... And being honest with him. Lord, it's not, I'm sorry. That's not repentance. It's Lord, here's my heart. Lord, forgive me. I I lay hold of your promise. Just take this verse. You say, God, that you are faithful and just. That you will forgive me if I confess my sins. And you'll cleanse me of all unrighteousness. There's two things there that God will do. One, he'll forgive me. The second thing, he'll cleanse me. Remember, God made Jesus sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. It's a radical exchange. By faith. I can't do anything for it. It's by faith I take this promise. And so folks, I I, I just give it to you. I think we have, we've complicated this. We've turned in our culture, we've turned sin into just dysfunction. Right? Sin today is just seen as dysfunction. And the solution is just, what? Counseling. Or a program, therapy, whatever we want to throw out there, and don't get me wrong, there's a great place for all that, but not when it comes to. There's only one solution for the big issues of life. There's only one solution to ultimate freedom in life, and it's the cross of Jesus and His resurrection. It's the gospel, and the only way we receive it is by faith. Just receive it like a child, and that just rubs us. Together. We feel like we have to do something. And so let me just apply this. Let's just talk about this because this this is transformation. And folks, this is how simple it is. When you sin, when I sin, I want to ask you very honestly this morning. Do you run to the promises of God? And do you quickly say, Lord, forgive me? I repent. I lay down that thought, that action, that whatever it was. I knew it was wrong. I lay that down. And Lord, here I am again, even with the same thing. Wash me, forgive me, make me righteous before you. I stand by faith on the truth of this. And then do you get up free? Free. Do you know the gospel that powerful? Do you know you don't have to continue to beat yourself up? Because if you get up from that time of doing that with God, do you know if you start feeling condemnation, guess what? You've just put yourself back. You've done that. That's a lack of faith. This is what God promises. If you're honest in your heart, he, that moment, because of what He's done on the cross, He forgives you. That moment he forgives you, that moment you are cleansed. In other words, you are again blameless in the eyes of God. All guilt, all shame is gone. You're a new creation. Your communion with God is reestablished at that point. Is it sinking in? We've complicated this so much. We've added, oh, you have got to do this. We've got to go through these many steps. We've got to go through this long program. No, you don't. That's the good news of the gospel. That's the power of the gospel. When you know the Lord Jesus and you're honest with him, no matter what that sin is, you come to him, Lord, forgive me. I repent. I'm turning from that. Lord, help me by the power of your spirit. Wash me, cleanse me. Let me get up from my knees. Let me get up from this time of prayer. And, folks, that's the gospel. Does that make sense? You say, wait a minute, that's just way too easy. Steve, that's too simple. You know what? This is exactly what Paul had to write to the Romans about. Right? They they kept saying, Well, Paul, if that's the case, I'm gonna just keep sinning and then I'm gonna just go and, and throw this little prayer up. And Paul says, Come on. God knows your heart. Right? But it's that profound. That's the grace of God, that's the power of the cross. So, folks, I just give that to you this morning as, 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 a, as a working practical point. Folks, when you have a wrong thought, when you're feeling any kind of condemnation, immediately go to the Lord Jesus. Immediately go to him and, and Lord, have it out with him. Is your heart able to be honest before God? And just let this truth, and here, you're going to have a battle. You're going to have a battle. We all do, right? You're going to have a battle with feeling guilt and shame. You're just going to have to fight this off. But how God sees you, if you confess, when you take conviction and you move to confession, is God immediately, you're forgiven. That moment you're forgiven. That moment, right, that you say that you are a new, you are washed, you are blameless in God's eyes. He doesn't see that sin any longer. Wow. That's how God sees you. That's the power of the cross, The problem is on our end, we want to hold on to this condemnation. We want to hold on to this shame and this guilt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a big word, severation, right? We just get in that loop, right? Does this make sense, gang? That's the power of the gospel. We need to practice it. We need to apply it to each other. And sometimes, folks, if I am continually in a loop of continuing, you say, man, and I can't get broken free from a sin in my addiction. If I can't get broken free, guess what? scripture says i got to i got to expand the territory i got to bring others in lord i need to, that's why we're to confess our sins to one another right is so that the battle increases like let's do this because i got to get more free now there's another level of accountability and more prayer in this gospel to get set free in this thing i just want to end here by saying this folks this is gospel plus nothing There is not anything, there's no addiction, there's no deep trauma, there's no, I don't care how bad and how dark anything's ever happened to your life, the gospel is more than sufficient. The God of the universe sent his son, he loved you so much, to die on a cross to make a provision for your freedom. There is nothing else needed. We live in a culture that has gospel plus this and this and this and this. That is a false gospel. You need Jesus and you need him and him alone. The question is, and I need Jesus and him and him alone. The question is, am I going to have faith in him? Take his promise by faith and start living it. And seeing the spirit of God transform our lives. Does that make sense, gang? Alright? So I could say a lot more on this. But folks, take 1 John 1.9 nine, apply it this week. And see how much you're living under the gospel and how much you're actually living under condemnation, right? The reason people get hard, the reason people don't have breakthrough is because simply they do not take conviction to confession. They let conviction move them into condemnation. And condemnation means they're holding it rather than letting God. Be true to his word and do his work. You don't have to linger. You don't have to do a thousand other things. You just have to believe that when you confess, God is true to his word in your life. Get up and walk a new person. Because if God sees you this way, why would you see yourself any different? It's that simple. It's by faith, folks. So let's start walking in this and see God do something great. So just in this time, Derek, y'all can come on up. Um, I want to just uh, pray for us. Just take some time. You can just stay there and just, man, just soak up verse nine. Let the spirit of God do work on your soul. Speak to you this morning. And again, as we said just before, we come to the Lord's table. And remember, that table is only there for those who've gotten honest with Jesus and their sin. Does that make sense? It's not just a ritual. This is a relational table. You got to know who he is to come to that table, right? And it is a fellowship table, right? And there's come together, rejoice with one another at what God has done. But let's just take a moment and I'll let Derek lead this time. Um, But man, if if you're here and, and you have just a short testimony, you just want to give thanks to your Lord for what he's done in your life. Just get up to that mic and encourage us. With the reality of what the Lord has done, right? And uh, let's just encourage each other, right? Here as we come to the table. So, Father, thank you, Lord, for your word, your gospel, the power of your gospel, Lord. Father, it's when we start living under that that love breaks out, God. Lord, we love you because you first loved us. Let us live under the power of this, Lord. Let your word, like like Luke says, just burn in our hearts, God. Come, Holy Spirit, now in this time. Do business in our hearts, in Jesus' name.